0: Alrighty, we are going. Uh, hello, everybody. This is the Ramble Transmissions podcast. I'm Kev Seconds. It's Tuesday, January twenty fourth, one sixteen a.m. And here we are. Here we are. Yet another episode. This is episode 2 A uh, because we are fancy around here on this podcast. Uh, Did you see the transition? Yeah, I think you did. All right, man. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say, first and foremost, thank you for all of the the support, the love, the recent art purchases. Uh, People buy stuff on my Bandcamp page. Thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate that. It helps. Uh and also for the donations, the tips and the uh and the whatnots and um you know, like I said before, I really I don't want to get into the habit of just just constantly uh you know, just just uh begging for 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 your donations. You know, I want to I want to I want to be respectful and mindful of this and and not be I you know, there are people out there that are constantly just going, "Be sure to tip. Be sure to like." Uh, but i guess i'm saying at least at the very least on this because we are on youtube um i guess because of all the algorithm bullshit um please like subscribe and whatever you can follow whatever just make sure that you you stay in my i need you to stay in my my orbit uh, on this kind of thing because i, I just want uh, your return visits and um i want to spam the shit out of you no i don't really um that said um, the first episode got some very nice comments I, we, I, You know, I forget how many views we've gotten Like maybe 68, 88, I don't remember uh, I'm not that concerned, to be honest with you At least not at this level Because I, I sort of feel like this is kind of in the, uh, the beta testing um, phase, maybe um, I, as, as usual, I sort of jump into stuff when I'm excited about it And then I just go for it until uh, I get bored until it just something breaks, and I, um, you know, that's it. And Sometimes I come back to it, sometimes I don't. The, the, of course, as I've said, stated before, the history of this particular podcast, the Ramble Transmissions podcast, uh, that, that very thing happened. You know, I started this back in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, and, and then I just kind of would do it here and there, and I, I, I don't remember how many episodes. I have to look that up i think i mentioned that on the last episode and here i am i had i haven't done that yet um but um i'm still a little i'm still a little i'm I'm searching i'm searching for a good plan i'm searching for a good way to do this and, and i'm not necessarily asking for suggestions i mean i suppose if you want to suggest things um that's that's totally okay that's totally okay i I, you know i can i could deal with that but i'm i'm not actively seeking that so unless you know maybe if you're experienced and you've been doing this for a while and you know how things work uh feel free you know to send me any kind of uh i don't know advice uh whatever but i think i'm real close um I I interviewed a dear friend of mine Angie Whitworth she was uh, my ex-girlfriend still a very very dear friend and uh, you know she and I uh, ran the positive force record label together she and I were involved with the positive force group in Reno she was a long time she you know she sold merch for seven seconds she she carried around guitar cases and and, and amps and all kinds of stuff and she um, I interviewed her because she's she's one of the she a she's one of the best people on the planet but she's also uh very very interesting. She's done some really cool things in her life. I find her just fascinating and just creatively just really great and brilliant. And I um I you know, I said, "Hey, you know, I think you need to be one of my early uh guests. I think we we need to talk." And, and then and and and, and I want to kind of you know, I, I didn't want to interview her it's, that's a little awkward um but i had some questions you know set aside and and we went and as um uh if you don't know the the the, the format of the what will be the um the interview podcast the other podcast that isn't the ramble transmissions podcast um you know, I I'm, I'm I I put some f- images in there. I, you know, maybe I'll sneak some video in there, and, and we'll just we'll we'll try to go down the line and 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 make it a little more interesting, and and I'll do it as professionally, but not as I don't want it to be douchey. I don't want it to be cheesy. You know, I want it to kind of stay in a cool cool place, whatever that means. Um, but she had said, hey, you know, I was thinking about it. How come you? Why don't you just have one name, one umbrella? You know up for the podcast and then just do everything under that. You know, do the interviews. Maybe you don't want to do an interview one week or two weeks. Do your ramble stuff, you know, you could do. And she had she had a really good point and I suppose I I did think of that in the first place, but um once I got stuck on this idea that I should just have two two podcasts, um boy, I just I I'm I got stuck to it, you know. Uh married to it if you will. So, um I don't know i'm i'm now she put that she sort of planted that little bug and and it's not a bad thing i think it's not a bad thing to reconsider and i've been uh this past week and uh allison my wife and i were out of town with our dogs and i had a little uh, time to reflect and uh and see how the f- this first issue of this podcast was doing and um you know, it's done well i mean considering that it's i've got a relatively small fan base and, and, and a group of following you know I hate saying followers that really just sound I even hate saying fans it's just weird but I guess that's what it is um, but nonetheless so I'm giving it some thought uh, people have asked me you know if I've got a name yet uh, I'm down to two names I was only down to one and I was pretty sure I was going to use that and I made a logo for it and I was really like okay this is going to be it I'm going to make the announcement people who give a shit will know of the other the name of the other podcast and we'll be good uh, and then I I had a, a, a this revelation, and I can't talk to you about it because I'll reveal it uh, prematurely, and I don't want to do that. So, um, so we we got to wait a little bit longer for those of you who've asked me. But I promise you, um, this past week I did a a couple of interviews with with people, Angie being one of them, and I'm I mean I'm it's no I'm not gonna I'm not. Sp- I'm not spoiling anything by saying that toby Tor, toby morris from h2o who's a dear friend uh he's one of the early ones chris sherry i mentioned before and that's all you're going to get i'm not going to give you any more beyond those three um tomorrow and um this week i've got three interviews i'm going to try to get all the interviews not all but i'm going to try to get a handful maybe a little more than a handful of interviews in the can and uh and then we'll like i said i'm shooting from march um hopefully maybe i'll do it on my birthday just for fun you know i don't know so we'll see what's happening but thank you guys for the inquiries and the and the love and and all of the cool support that you've shown shown me uh this past week it's been great um things are going well on my end i um uh maybe you've noticed i've changed the color of my hair a little bit um it's an interesting thing. I, I, because of the podcast, the interviews I've been doing, I've been having to sort of look at myself in this, in this monitor. And, you know, I'm really torn between, um, and maybe this is TMI, I don't know. Um, um, But uh, I shave my pubes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was, I, I noticed my beard, my facial hair, and it's uh, it's been looking wider and wider which is something I've wanted for a long time um, because it normally it's been for, for 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 years it would just grow really splotchy blotchy brown gray red you know just various colors and I and I looked like I had mange you know whenever the facial hair so what I started doing a while back was I would once I saw the the gray up around here was growing. I would color down in here and here, and then I kind of was getting stylish, and and you know all it takes is for like, you know, a woman to say, I think that looks good, Kevin. And of course I'm like, okay, great, thank you. And then I, you know, that's that's my look. Um, but you know, I started letting it grow out. I thought, I said, screw it. You know, I'm 61. I, I have there's no reason. I don't need to deal with vanity and all this other bullshit. You know, who cares what I look like? Um, but I do care, right? You, you, you care what you look like. Why am I looking at this camera? Wait, I'm here. I'm you. Um, but I do care, like we all do, really. And so I thought, um, you know, I was, I was. Every time I was looking at myself, I'd be, I'd be looking at my my guest, and I'd look over at myself, and I notice how white it's gotten um, without the little touch-ups, right? and um i thought man i finally got the white i finally got the gray um but at times you know if the if the lighting is weird i don't know if i can i can eh, i can't really do it here but it, you know uh i i realized man i could <laughs> i'm also wearing red right now but I, you know i'm i could be a santa claus this year or next year you know um and that kind of fucked me up a little bit that kind of bummed me out so so i I don't know why I got on this kick of like thinking it would be kind of cool to have like a, a neat color to my beard you know let the gray show but maybe color in the rest you know, in actual color and I got stuck on this I'd seen maybe a photo of, of a woman with this sort of bluish green I think they call it mermaid green um, and I thought that's really I've always loved that color I've, I've had friends that have had that color in their hair and I think it really looks neat and I said but you know can a can a guy like me pull that off I have not dyed my my head hair in I mean just years it's been well over 20 years I just I I got sick of doing it you know and people ask me they're like well you dye your hair right and I was like no I actually don't dye this hair Um, I mean there's gray in it and stuff but I still have quite a bit of my natural hair color so I don't know what that means but uh i thought you know it'd be kind of fun to do the the facial hair. so we were going to the bay area and we were going to we knew we were going to be staying with some dear friends uh danielle and fish and and danielle had said i said i asked her because she she does she works on you know she does hair coloring and stuff and i said hey would you uh if i bought the stuff would you would you help me color it because i hate doing it myself and she said yeah of course so that was it you know the idea was kind of we were going to do my beard but then i it, by the time we got down to san francisco over the weekend i was like you know i think i want to just try my hair and she was really excited she was cool she she kept me into the idea because i almost chickened out and i thought i almost thought about just like who needs to do this this is just silly this is just juvenile and um she kept saying no come on let's do it it'll be fun so um, we did it, and it's it's green, and it's it was it, it's it's advertised as green i, I think mermaid green, but it, it as she was doing it, it was blue, you know, and I thought, well I didn't want blue, and um, Allison was looking at it, and fish was looking at it, and everybody was kind of peeking in to see how it was coming along and it was a long process you know you got to like put it in, and then I'm sitting there shirtless, you know with my man boobs in the living room, just feeling mildly sub- self conscious and um, and then I had to wait for it to you know there was this it's a process you want it to sit in there for a long long time and I forgot what a hassle it was and it reminded me of why I don't I hated dyeing my my hair you know it was just it just became uh, problematic but once I started to see it I really started to like it and and then it was like Daniel said you know we, we got to do it we got to do one more pass and it'll be really cool and I kind of was thinking I don't know but then uh, this morning, you know, we got back uh, yesterday. I woke up this morning and I looked at it, and it still really looks nice. Um, it's probably hard to tell from this thing, but I uh, I said, yeah, I got. Re- I'm going to do one more pass and see how it goes. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's the new and improved Kevin Seconds, or the new and improved old Kevin Seconds. I don't I don't know what that would be. Uh, all right, so I wanted to. Um, the rest of this episode it 's not going to be too long i don 't think I wrote a, out a thing a few years back uh, it, it It was in my journal and I thought I was you know i 'd been thinking about a thing that ha- that I experienced when I was in uh, grade school elementary school and um, and so I just started writing out this this kind of remembering the things that I could remember the names the 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 details and uh i wrote it out almost as like a a a, a small what am i looking for Uh, like a short story i guess um but it was in i chapterized it if that's a word i i put it in little chapters and the gist of this was that when i was in the fourth grade in california i went to a a, a, uh, an elementary school called mariposa elementary school. Now, I've written uh, two songs that, that reference Mariposa. There's actually a song that I wrote called Mariposa that came out on, the, on a record I did uh, called Rodney, Reggie and Emily, or Rodney, Reggie, Emily. And it was just, it was a childish, silly little song just reflecting on the, 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 the key things that, that I, I, was, I, I remembered about going to uh, Mariposa. I went to Mariposa from second grade to sixth grade they're coming to get me um but i also um i you know i i also i mean i just i went to a lot of actually that's not true i'm sorry third did i say second yeah third to sixth grade and then i actually went to two different other schools in sixth grade um, we moved around a lot, and and we went to various. Uh, we were taken in and out of schools, and <clears throat> in and out of in out of one school and into another, and it was it was crazy. Um, but this was this was a school that I really loved. I had I loved the experience because I had a great teacher, great couple of teachers, and um, I just I felt like um, I I it, I was in, in, inspired to to be involved for once. You know, I was like kind of very. Shy, painfully shy child, and I just didn't, could not find my place in any sort of social situation. So most of the time I spent, you know, I remember being in like third grade, and I just I stayed off on my own, which is is is, is terrible because you know once you do that, kids look at you a different way, uh, and you're treated a different way. Even the teachers treat you a little a little different. And it might be it might be different now nowadays, but back in the you know, the, the late 60s, early 70s, it was just, it was, you know, really weird. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm starting to lose my voice, I think. So, um, but at this school, you know, like I said, I had good teachers. The principal was cool. I, I you know, I tried my hand at sports. You know, I played uh, the basca, on the basketball team a little bit. Um, I, tetherball was the big thing. We had all these tetherball, whatever they're called, poles, you know um i was pretty good at that kids played dodgeball you know all kinds of different games um but there was always this 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 sense of um uh, people paired off There were like clicks you know and uh and i just wasn't very good at picking a click so I wrote this story out, and I hope it's not too long, and I hope it's not too boring. I wish I had some kind of—I thought about trying to do some illustrations, but I just didn't have the time. And it's really—that's a lot of work anyways. But I'm going to read from that, and, uh, and I will do it as, as well as I possibly can, so bear with me, okay? Uh, and if I do good, and if you ever need somebody to, like, you know, uh, do the book, the audio book, I'm available for super cheap. I, I, I Trust me on this one. All right, chapter one. Here we go. In the fifth grade, I was in a gang. Sort of. We were a school gang, meaning that all activities involving our gang happened on school grounds or very close by. Why am I looking at this camera? We were called the Bobby Stutes Gang, and as far as I know, we were the only gang in our school. In 1971, we might have been the only gang in our entire school system. Chapter 2, Friday Afternoon. I remember, my, I remember my introduction to the gang like I remember the first time I got laid. I was sitting alone in the school cafeteria, eating spaghetti and meatballs with a dry roll, a bland l- lump of salad, and a tiny carton of milk. I had nearly finished eating when Bobby Stutes, a tough 11-year-old bully of a kid, approached me with two other kids and asked me if I could fight. I lied and meekly told him that I could. Earlier that year, I had my front tooth knocked out by my neighbor, Ralph Easley, in front of both of our families, and word around my neighborhood was that I was a pussy, despite the fact that Ralph was much older, bigger, and tougher than I was. When Bobby asked me if I could fight, I assumed that he had heard about me getting beaten up by Ralph and was fucking with me, goading me into fighting him. I followed up by saying, but I don't want any trouble, and I tried to Avoid fighting if I can. Bobby and his pal studied me for a few seconds before saying, well, we're hanging out near the janitor's shed after school today if you want to hang out with us. And then they walked away. Chapter 3, Friday afternoon. I finished my lunch and walked outside to try and enjoy what was left of recess. Kids were congregating, talking, play fighting, playing tetherball, dodgeball, basketball, skipping rope, I searched for friends I could hang out with but didn't see anybody, so I sat on a bench and stared at the pretty girls. One of those pretty girls was Connie Stutes, Bobby's little sister. Long, slim, and extremely blonde, Connie was the cutest girl at Mariposa Elementary School, sat two desks away from me, and all the boys were keen on her. I also had a major crush on her, and on those rare occasions when she would smile, (coughs) smile at or say something to me, I would become so nervous and stupid I couldn't get more than three words out of my mouth before she'd look downward, turn away, and turn around and walk away. I sensed that I somehow embarrassed her because of my awkwardness, and that was a that was a uh, uh, a regular thing. She wasn't mean. In fact, she had in the past made several attempts to chat with me, and she never acted like the snob I had seen her act like to the other boys. My best friend Sean Hutchinson was even convinced that Connie liked me and would tease me every time she and I were anywhere near each other. But I would never feel very comfortable mingling with her. Bobby was very protective and made it very clear, made it quite clear that anyone messing around with his little sister would have him and his gang to deal with. In fact, one of the most one of the worst most vicious fights I had ever seen involved Bobby and some poor schmuck named Mike Pope. Who made the mistake of flirting with the very confident and precocious eight-year-old Connie? By the time Bobby and his crew were done with poor Mike, he had two swollen eyes and blood coming out of one of, of one ear. Now, quick, quick little interruption. I'm not sure that actually happened. I know that I do remember that that Mike was was beaten up. He looked like he'd been in a fight. I remember. Uh, really, what I remember is that he had one of those uh, what looked like a ripped eye, uh, eyeball. You know, it was clear that, it was clear that he had been in a fight, but uh, I, I, that might have been an embellishment a little bit. As I watched my fellow schoolmates, I began fantasizing about what it would be like to be in Bobby Stutz's infamous gang. Would I get tougher and become a better fighter? Would other kids fear me? Give me their lunch money to keep me from being beaten up by me? Would I become popular? Would Connie love me? No, no, no. I had to keep myself in line and stop myself from thinking about having anything to do with Connie. Even if Bobby truly did want me to join his gang, he'd never take kindly to me getting close to his sister. Or he? No, I, I just threw that in. Just then, my other best friend Steve Easley, approached me. Steve was the younger brother of the aforementioned Ralph, and we had bonded over our love for running track and the L.A. Rams football team back at that time frame I was like I said I had just really kind of flirted with uh, getting I was getting into more and more sports you know I followed baseball I had baseball cards I was an Oakland A's fan when when I was a kid I I mean if I would if you asked me who my base who my baseball team is I'll always say the Oakland A's I've never rooted for any other team but I'm not a big baseball fan Um, um, and then football was like I didn't uh, everybody in that I knew was a, 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 a San Francisco 49ers fan um, but for some reason, I, I, I like the L.A. Rams uh, because I remember Roman Gabriel was the quarterback, the starting quarterback. And I, for, for whatever reason, he just became a favorite of mine. Um, there's also a, a story, which I don't want to get in too deep, but there, I have a very distant relative who was uh, Norm Van Brocklin, who was a, uh, I, th- I think he's a Hall of Famer, but he was he was with the L.A. Rams back when he was a player. He became a coach. I know he, he coached the um, Atlanta Falcons at some point. He was he was kind of a big deal. So I think maybe because I knew that I had a, like like a, th- I forget what he was, a third cousin or something, uh, I think I, I knew that we had a football player in the family who played for you know, professional sports and played with the L.A. Rams. I think maybe that's why I became an L.A. Rams fan. Um <clears throat> You wanna you wanna play a quick game of tetherball before class starts? Steve asked. This is my friend Steve Easley. Nah, I just ate and my stomach hurts. Oh hey, Bobby Stutz just asked me to hang out with him and the gang after school. Do you think I should? I asked. What? Man, oh man, do you know what that means? No, you do know what that means, don't you? Let me let me say it again. What? Man, oh man, you do know what that means, don't you? They're going to gang up on you and beat you up. Did he call you out? Well, no, I don't think he did. He actually seemed like he was being nice to me. Maybe he wants me to join his gang. Steve started laughing out loud. Long before he watched while his, long before he watched while his older brother beat the snot out of me, he knew that I was no fighter. Kev, you don't fight good. Why would they want you? I don't know. I just think... uh, God, I'm so bad at this. I don't know. I just don't think I've ever done anything to him to make me want... I don't know. I just don't think I've ever done anything to him to make... I gotta gotta learn how to write. I don't know. I just don't think I've ever done anything to him to make him want to beat me up. Maybe it's Connie. She does like you. She does not. Why do you and Sean always say that? This is what's going to get my butt kicked. I don't think I said ass back then. In fact, I know I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like to cuss unless I was. I got into fights, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um. Yeah, she does. She told Rhonda Fife when we had assembly the other day. Really? Did she really say that she likes me? That's what Rhonda said. I told you. Fuck. This was a problem. Of course, Bobby was inviting me to hang out with them after school so he could kick my ass. They always beat kids up. They always beat kids that don't like they always beat kids that don't like oh man i just didn't fix this one they always beat kids they don't like up back behind the school grounds next to the little janitor equipment shack that kids broke into every other week there was a little shack and it was at the there was a big field I, i think we played football out there and baseball but just beyond that uh just before the fence uh there was a fence chain link fence there was this little shack, and, and you only see the janitor come in and out of there, so that I, I assume that it just had equipment back in there. Um, my ass was dead. Chapter 4, Friday afternoon. For the rest of the school day, I felt lightheaded and nauseous. It might have been bad spaghetti or the sour-tasting dressing that drenched the salad, but no. It was Bobby and his gang and what they might be up to with me. As the final bell rang, I grabbed my books and binder, from my desk and quickly walked out of the classroom and down the hallway. If I could just get out the main entrance door, I could probably outrun the gang the three blocks home and make it inside to safety, I thought to myself. But just as I hit the parking lot and was about to start my sprint home, I heard someone calling out my name. Marvelli! Marvelli! Get over here! A kid yelled out. I considered not looking back and just running my ass off back home, but I knew better. They'd chase me down, and even if they couldn't catch me, there'd be Monday morning, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. I would never escape. I stopped and turned around. Bobby and three of his buddies were standing there looking very angry and agitated. I walked very slowly towards them. What's your hurry? Don't you want to come hang out with us? Come on, man. Come with us. I had never before been more scared. Not even when my dad had a belt and was threatening to beat my ass with it. Or when the huge Doberman, Doberman pincher down the street from us, who barked at me every day I passed by him on my way to school, would get loose and chase me down. I seriously felt like I was going to piss or shit myself. Um, okay. Where were we going? Where are we going? I queried. We're going to our fort. It'll be fun. Bobby replied, and off we went towards the back of the school where all bad things happened to all good students who somehow in some way pissed off the Bobby Stutz gang. A group of about seven other boys were waiting for us near the janitor shack. They all double handedly low ten low tend Bobby as he uh, low instead of uh, high five. High five low ten. They all double handed that's, that's poor writing. I, they all double-handedly low tinned Bobby as he approached. It was impossible to know just why these kids respected Bobby so much. They were far bigger and maybe even scarier kids in school, but for some reason, kids were drawn to and loved to follow behind and copy him. This is true. It was, it was very, very strange. For instance, the use of the word bitchin'. As far as I could tell, no one in school used the word before Bobby did. Same with referring to girls as foxes, or saying, that girl's foxy. For all I knew, little Bobby Stoots coined the term back in 1971. It was either him or Jimi Hendrix. The big crowd gathered around in a circle, and I followed suit. I think that maybe I thought if I stood next to other kids and acted like I was a part of them, no one would think to push me down and kick me in the face. Any, anybody bring any licorice or gum? Bobby asked. I got some, but not much. My mom busted me with it before I left this morning and took the whole bag I was going to bring. Skip Nolan explained sheepishly. Sheepishly? Shit, Bobby said. It was really weird to hear kids cuss. Um, uh, I For some reason. I mean, I, I'd hear my parents cuss, or I'd hear, like, my friend's parents cuss. But... Other than that, I, I wasn't. I didn't have a lot of access to people who cussed. You know, I wasn't. There was no internet. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't able to. Um, they did, nobody cursed on TV. I wasn't seeing movies with curse words yet. So it was. A, it was still new to my little kid head to to hear cussing that that wasn't done from an adult. You know, and there was there was an emphasis. It was always. I mean, my parents, even though ultimately they didn't care that much. They didn't, they really didn't like us to curse. They did, they, you know, we, we couldn't say, I remember we couldn't even say the word fart, you know? Um, but then, uh, it all changed, you know, once my parents, and this is a whole other st- story for another time, but when my parents divorced, we went with my mom, and my mom really just stopped caring about us cussing. And, and maybe she just figured I, she had a potty mouth, maybe she just figured there's nothing I can do about it. <clears throat> um, not many were. Not many kids said the word shit. At least not the nine and ten year old ones that I knew. As a matter of fact, just before I decided to accept Ralph Easley's invitation to fight him in my parents' driveway, in his parents' driveway. Sorry, I asked my dad if it was okay that I swore while I fought, and he reluctantly agreed, just as long as and I didn't use just as long as I didn't use the word motherfucker. He had a weird uh, thing about that word. The, the word fuck was strangely permissible, but motherfucker wasn't. For some reason, up until I was maybe 13, I always thought you had to swear like a madman during a fistfight, as though it helped give you an edge in the badass department. I must have seen that in a movie someplace. Nevertheless, when Bobby said shit, it got all of our attention. Anyone bring sunflower seeds or potato chips, Bobby asked. Todd Short responded, I got potato chips. Tim Marabelli, Timmy Marabelli, added, I have sunnies." Sunflower Good, said Bobby. Let's go to the fort. Chapter 5, Friday late afternoon. We're still at the same day, right? This is all just, yeah, yeah, we're still on Friday. This might be longer than I thought it would. Maybe I'll do it in two parts. Um, as we walked a block or two to Bobby's parents' house, I straggled behind the mob a bit. I was still contemplating running, and Bobby must have sensed that because he fell back grabbed my shoulder, and pushed me towards the front of, the cra- the, of his crew. We got to his house, and he opened the side gate to his backyard and let us all in. There, in the middle of the big, green, well-kept lawn, rose one of the biggest, most menacing-looking trees I'd ever seen. Nailed to the trunk were wooden planks. There must have been 20 of them, used to climb up the tree's tr- trunk, and it was a good 15 feet climb before you even got to the first split in the tree where you could climb and venture to branches. As I looked up into the tree, I could see a huge-looking structure built into the thick of it. I remember thinking that it resembled a spaceship or something, and my heart began beating wildly as I came to the realization that I would be expected to climb up into any, up, up into weird. And my heart began beating wildly as I came to the realization that I would be expected to climb up into it with everyone else. That's what I meant to say. I couldn't not at that point. Now, I did have a huge fear of heights. I still have a pretty big fear of heights. But, you know, all all my friends would climb trees, and I remember wanting so badly to be good at my – I think even my – I know Steve, my brother, and my sister, uh, Carrie, they would climb trees, and they were good at it, but I just wasn't any good. And I would go up, and it would look so cool once they were up there. Kids were – we built tree forts, or tree forts were built at the time. And I was always big on building ground forts. Um, or I would dig, we'd have underground, uh, dirt, you know, like little, we'd cover it up with, we'd, we'd, we dig holes and then cover it up with wooden planks. And, you know, we were always building forts. The tree forts were the best though, because rarely did your parents go, your parents wouldn't go up into them. You know, if they wanted you to come down or if they were, you know, uh, they just would never come up. So you could stash shit up there. You know, if you had candy or I remember seeing Playboy books or whatever, Playboy magazines. Um, Anyway, the mob started climbing up, and just as I put my foot on the first plank to follow suit, Bobby stopped me and said, Not yet. Stay here. Then he climbed up. I must have been standing around down at the base of the tree for about ten minutes. I could hear hushed voices and occasional giggles and guffaws. The Stutz family dog-eyed me from the back patio but never came up to me, and I was grateful for that. Skip Nolan poked his head out of some leaf clearing and yelled for me, Marvelli, come on up. I nervously climbed up the 20 planks and kept my butt cheeks clenched tight as best I I could because I truly felt like I was going to mess myself at any time. Once I got to where the branches split up, I saw a human-sized wooden box with a door and opened it. I peered in and saw a long rectangular-shaped room that resembled the inside of a large helicopter or maybe a plane that parachuters jumped out of. The gang were all sitting on the floor of the box room. Come on in, Marvelli. Shut the door gang leader, Bobby ordered. I did what he told me to and had a seat. So, what do you think? You want to join our gang? Bobby asked. I looked around and saw that every single eye was on me. Well, I'm not what I mean what would I have to do. Well, I'm not what, I mean, what would I have to do? That's how I should have said it you'd have to do a few things to prove that you you could be in this gang you should be in this gang that's all nothing big like um like what we can't tell you until you join us we have to keep that information secret I tried focusing on what joining a gang like the BSG actually meant but my mind was wouldn't let me my mind wouldn't let me back then in my neighborhood we didn't have street gangs I mean we had Hells Angels low-level mafioso wannabes, and occasional rumors of a local Ku Klux Klan chapter, but street gangs? What would they be fighting for and who against? An elementary school gang made up of 9, 10, and 11-year-olds just seemed silly. Yet there I was, scared shitless of this scrappy mob before me. What the hell was I to do? Okay, I'll join. I want in the gang, I heard myself say. Bitchin'. "'We'll start the initiation,' Bobby said, and everyone stood up and gathered up near him. "'Come over here,' Skip ordered. "'I walked up to where he and Bobby stood, and no sooner had I reached them, "'Robbie Carroll came out of nowhere and punched me as hard as he could in the stomach. "'I saw stars and went straight down in my knees. to my knees. "'Then I shit myself, and as far as I know, no one realized that I had. "'I could feel it oozing around in my shorts, and I could smell the stench rising up my shirt, "'but no one else seemed to notice.' Stand up, Bobby yelled. I did, slowly and carefully. Would you agree to call Bruce Lavelle out and fight him after school next week? I pondered Bruce Lavelle and the fact that he was a year older, stood almost a foot taller than me, and was a Pee Wee division Pop Warner football tackle. I might have gotten sports, um, the the division names, uh, confused with when I was in Little League. I don't remember. But it was a Pop Pop Warner. was a, For those that don't know, it was like a youth football league. And uh, I wanted like hell to be, uh, to be a Pop Warner football player, but it was too, too small, too scrawny, and too slow, and uh, just not very good. Not very good. Bruce was the only... Uh, he, was, he was only in the sixth grade, but for whatever reason, sixth graders seemed like an entirely different, far more advanced race of people to me. I mean shit, even 6th grade girls had boobs. No 5th grade girls that I knew did. Boys were taller, stronger, smarter. Bruce was going to cream me. He's not my age. Could I fight someone who <laughs> He's not my age. Could I fight someone else who is 10? I asked. Do you want to be in the in this gang or what? Fuck. Do you want to be in the Do you want to be in the gang or not? You either fight Bruce you either fight Bruce or you're not in with us. Your choice, Bobby replied. I allowed myself about five seconds to think about this daunting challenge, and before I could stop myself I blurted out, Yeah, okay, I'll fight him. The big group applauded as though I had recited some lovely and powerful poetry. Bobby himself walked up and patted me on the back in an improving in an approving manner. In a approving manner. An approving manner. And then I broke up our and then I broke up our happy Oh, fuck maybe I should stop and then I broke up our ha- little happy fun powwow <laughs> that's a weird why is that there and then I broke up our little happy fun powwow so if I fight Bruce I get to be in the gang I asked stupidly the tree fort went silent and Bobby's smirk turned into a deep frown no that's not all you have to do it's not easy being in the Bobby Stutes gang and we don't just ask anybody to join us no one else had come forth to punch me again, so I took a chance and asked, How come you want me to be in your gang? Bobby seemed unable to form words. He looked around at Skip and Timmy and the other gangsters and was met with light shrugs and downward stares. Pardon me. Do you not want to join us? Is that what you're saying, Bobby said, menacingly? No, I do. And the truth is is I that I did want to be in the Bobby Stutes gang. I had wanted to be since the fourth grade. Every boy in school did. I was just wondering. I didn't think you guys liked me, I said. We heard, you guys, we heard you can fight really good. I heard that you took care of Steve Easley's brother pretty good. We need more people who ain't afraid to fight. I didn't have the heart or balls to set Bobby straight on what actually went down the day Ralph and I fought. In fact, no real fight happened that day. I maybe got in two good punches to the stomach and chest, and then boom. Ralph hauled off and punched a top front tooth out of my mouth and sent me to the ground. I stood up, saw blood pouring from my mouth, and began bawling like a five-year-old. I ran back into my house and spent the next two hours in my mom's lap. I just did what I had to do. I had to show him who was boss, I lied. Well, we'll see how you do with Bruce. That'll be the first test, Bobby said. At that point, Bobby then suggested we all enjoy the various candy and gum people brought with them to the fort and told me I could stay or leave, whatever I wanted to do. I marveled at Bobby's perfect timing because I could feel a small amount of shit easing down my left leg towards my Chuck Taylors, and I needed to get out of there before anyone noticed I had messed my pants. See you guys on Monday, I said, and I climbed back down the high tree and jogged my way back home. Along the way, I felt a small sense of both joy and pride. At this time, I figured no one really cared to hang out with me, and now I was being asked to join a gang. Chapter 6, Friday Night I got home and walked inside. My mom was standing, waiting, not looking too pleased with me. Where have you been? It's almost 6. We've been crazy with worry, my mom said, practically in tears. I needed to get into the bathroom and change my underwear and quick, but my mom deserved an explanation. I'm sorry, Mom. A friend, of, a friend from my class wanted me to see the tree fort he and his dad built, and I didn't know what time it was. I'm sorry. Now, I really never lied to, to my mom much, even even later. I can think of maybe five, not even five times. I never stole from her. I never would steal money. All my friends were stealing money from their, their moms. I, I never stole from her, and I really just hated lying to her. She quickly forgave me and told me to get ready for dinner. I rushed to my room, grabbed a fresh pair of underwear, and went into the bathroom to clean up and change into them. It was the start of a new weekend. There would be Saturday morning cartoons, cross-country track practice, a family barbecue, and touch football on the lawn of the big nearby Baptist church. Starting that next Monday, I would begin my initiation into the most vicious gang of 4th, 5th, and 6th graders ever assembled in one gigantic tree fort, the Bobby Stoots Gang. Chapter seven Monday morning. It starts to get really crazy now here, folks. I wake up earlier than usual that Monday I, I woke up earlier than usual that Monday morning. My dad had left for work earlier himself, so when I went to the kitchen for breakfast, it was just me, my mom, and my little sister and brother. Mom poured me a bowl of Cheerios and a glass of orange juice, and I did my very best to wolf both down, but truthfully, I was way too excited to have much of an appetite. When I was done I kissed my mom on the cheek and skipped out the door and down Poppy Way to school. When I got to the yard where the big scary dog was, the one who always barked at me when I walked past on my way to school, I stopped and looked him straight in his beady little doberman pincher eyes and he never let out with he never let out with as much as a peep. I'm not sure that was a true story. I did st- I did see the doberman pincher and I did trying my best to intimidate him or her, but I'm not sure I did. Damn, I thought. Did the dog somehow hear about me being prospected for the Stutz gang too? I was about 20 minutes early, so I walked back to the playground to see if Ralph or Sean were around, but I couldn't see them anywhere. I was dying to tell him about the Bobby Stutz gang. As I was about to walk to Mr. Coleman's classroom, Timmy Mirabelli and another BSG member Bart Fillpot came out of nowhere and pushed me up against the door of the teachers' lounge and gave me my first orders. Gave me my orders for the day. Bobby wants you to call Bruce out today at lunch, but you have to do it where we can see you, just in case Bruce tries something and you need us to help out. Timmy instructed. Yeah, and don't let him know that we are, we are around. If he knows we are behind you, he'll back down and the deal is off. You got it? Bart asked. Yes, I got it. I won't let you guys down, I said. Don't worry about letting us down. Worry about letting yourself down, Timmy said. Just then the school bell rang, and off I went to the classroom. I had a long... Just then, the school bell rang. (laughs) Take three. Just then, the school bell... Take four. Just then, the school bell rang, and off I went to my classroom. I had a tough time understanding the words Mr. Coleman was speaking. I couldn't concentrate... I couldn't concentrate on his instruction, and reading was next to impossible. My head was filled with so many thoughts, I seriously thought my brains were going to explode all over the back of Cindy Hackbarth, that was her real name, who sat at the desk in front of me. I was in third, fourth, and fifth grade uh, in the same class with Cindy Hackbarth and my friend Sean Hutchison, we we had the same third, fourth, and fifth grade uh, class. Uh, I vaguely recall bits of math equations, reading through our textbook and going through some spelling exercises, but I can't remember whether I was actually involved or not. I just sat there, slumped over in my desk, eyes open, trying to pretend that I gave a shit and I was learning anything. I'd look up at the clock on the wall, and even the big hand looked like it was moving at a snail's pace. 9.30, 10.30, 11, and then finally noon. It was lunchtime. Time to choose one of the kings of the school, sixth grader Bruce Lavelle, out. I felt completely fucked. Chapter eight, Monday afternoon. I'm not sure why I did, I did the chapter thing. Out of habit, I walked into the cafeteria, grabbed a food tray, and stood in line to get food like everyone else. Over, pardon me. Over in the corner near one of the exits, I saw Bruce Lavelle sitting at a table with a few other sixth graders eating out of a brown paper bag. He was clearly in charge and holding court, telling jokes and pointing out other students for him and his asshole cronies to humiliate and torture. I ate my burnt grilled cheese sandwich and attempted to hold a conversation with Steve who knew nothing about what I was getting ready to do. Had I told him, he surely would have tried to talk me out of it, and truth be told, he probably would have succeeded. I was nowhere near up for this, even if I wanted to badly be in Bobby Stutz's gang. After lunch, Steve and I walked outside. My eyes scanned the entire playground for Bruce's big head and when I spotted it, I knew I had to make my move. As our lunch break would soon be over, I saw as my lunch as our lunch break would soon be over. I saw Bobby and his crew huddling near the water's fountains, watching my every move. It was time. I quickly walked over to Bruce Lavelle and without thinking about it, yelled out, "Lavelle! Hey, Lavelle!" I call you out, asshole. Bruce turned around to get a look at me and immediately grinned and whispered something to his buddy Mike Dietz. Dietz smiled as well. I turned around. Mike Dietz lived up the street from me, and we were actually on a pretty good terms uh, at some point. I turned around to see what the BSG was doing, and they appeared to be interested in something else, as not a single one of them appeared to be looking at what was going down between Bruce and I. My heart started pounding furiously, and again, lightheadedness and nausea washed over me like an extreme baptism. Bruce stood up and walked up to me. Up close, he looked even bigger and taller than the brute I'd seen countless times playing football, wrestling, and creaming kids during ruthless dodgeball games. Are you serious, Marvelli? Did you just call me out? I swallowed hard and tried to appear calm and confident. Yes, I call you out today after school. Meet me by the shack. I said half expecting to be pile-driven into the concrete underneath our feet. Bruce looked, looked directly into my eyes for a few seconds and then turned to his pals who all still had grins on their mug, dumb, I'm sorry, who still had grins on their smug dumb faces. I couldn't be certain, but he looked almost worried and not angry or defiant, like like I expected them to be. "Why do you want to fight me?" Bruce asked quietly. I'm sorry. "Why do you want to fight me?" Bruce asked quietly. What did I ever do to you? I was stunned. I hadn't prepared for such an in-depth question. I had no answer. I looked into his eyes and then I studied those of his friends who were no longer smirking at me in my ridiculousness. You beat up my friend Tony last year. He tried to offer his jacket to your girlfriend because it was cold out and you cut his face open when you hit him, I responded. I had nothing better to offer so I came up with that bogus excuse. Tony punched Karen in the back near the monkey bars because she wouldn't kiss him on the lips. I was standing up for her. He deserved what I gave him. Um, I fought for more thoughts, more words, more, but nothing came to me. I retreated. Look, I take it all back. I don't want to fight you. This was stupid. I'm sorry, I said. I never had a problem with you, Marvelli. I don't want any trouble from you or your gang. Bruce explained, nodding over to where Bobby and the boys were standing, now watching intently. "Shake on it," he asked, extending out his hand. I looked down at it but didn't offer my hand. Instead, I half-heartedly spit on a patch of grass next to Bruce and then walked away. I wasn't about to shake his hand. That would have been suicide for me. I was probably already fucked so long gang membership. I walked back to Bobby and crew. I, bo- I walked back to where Bobby and crew were standing and immediately "'What's up? What the hell happened?' Bobby asked, clearly riled. "'He said he didn't want to fight me. He didn't accept when I called him out.' "'Then go over and punch him right now,' Bobby ordered. "'No, he doesn't want to fight me, and he doesn't want any trouble from the gang,' I answered. "'Maybe it was adrenaline or just the fact that Bruce Lavelle had just backed down from a chance to fight me after school "'and reprove his already well-established dominance as a sixth grader, but I no longer felt scared.' Not of Bruce, not of teachers or or playground monitors, not of Bobby's followers or Bobby himself. Bobby glared at me and looked like he wanted to destroy my face. I want to be in the gang, I do, but I'm not going to fight someone who doesn't want to fight me. I'll get in trouble with my parents if they ever found out I did, I lied. Bobby seemed to really be thinking about it. He walked over to his crew and called for a huddle, and at that moment my heartbeat revved itself up a few RPMs and I felt like it was going to bust right out of my throat. I considered running away, but to where? There was no place to run to. I could never escape Bobby and his gang. A Couple minutes later, Bobby broke up his huddle and walked back over to me. He looked pissed and for some reason he kept his hands in his pockets the entire time. We decided to give you another chance. You'll have to do whatever we tell you to do or you can't be in the gang. Come by the Ford after school tomorrow and we'll let you know, okay? And just then the school bell rang and he and his crew of junior thugs walked off back to their respective classes. And I walked to mine. That night I had a dream that I got jumped by the BSG and I woke up sopping wet with sweat. I got up and peed and after I splashed my face with cold water and peered at myself in the bathroom mirror. My front tooth had still not grown back yet. I surely didn't want to lose any more teeth. I thought about my chance to join Bobby's gang and started feeling paranoid and terrified. I went into the living room and laid down on the couch. Before long, I was back to sleep. Chapter 9. Tuesday Morning My mom woke me up and asked me why I hadn't been sleeping on the couch. Why, had, why I had been sleeping on the couch. I mentioned my bad dream. She made us breakfast, and before long, I was out the door and walking to school. Along the way, my pal Sean ran to catch up with me. He lived across the street, and he and his family had just gotten back from a three-day trip to the Bay Area for family stuff. Along the way, I mentioned the Bobby Stoots gang initiation thing, and he stopped me in the street and admonished me, like something one of our parents would have done. Are you kidding me? Do you know what a crazy weirdo Bobby is? You really want to join his gang? I don't know. Sometimes I think it would be cool to be left alone at school. Some of the bigger kids mess with me at times, and I'm sick of this. They wouldn't mess with me if I was with Bobby, that's for sure. Sean shook his head in disapproval. He didn't say another word the rest of the school walked to school. Sean was like a super... Uh, I always imagined that Sean could grow up and be an all-American quarterback. He was just a strapping uh, kid, you know, good-looking guy, really smart, super friendly, uh, kind of protective, like on our little street where the the Easleys uh, lived next door to us, where Steve and my buddy and Ralph, his older brother, who punched my tooth out. Uh, Sean lived across the street, and and there was another uh, family down the street, Alan and his little brother and we all just kind of hung out a little bit and we had a creek um called cripple creek that ran uh just right down alongside our street it was it was very magical when i was a kid because just walking along the creek and seeing like polywogs and and assorted other little weird living things was just uh i i it was beautiful it was one of one of, one of the coolest ways to grow up um And I've got so many stories about, especially Ralph, uh, that I won't talk about now. That involved how I first started to think about sex, because he and his older friends would always talk like they'd all been with women, and they were like these studs. And I remember we all spent the night on their back port deck, back porch deck, and he gave us these crazy stories of, of of what happened with these girls, and it was just it, the whole thing was completely blown it just bullshit and it was so disgusting and we were eating Doritos chips and you know the nacho chips and they really smelled like you know not fake nacho cheese and for some reason for uh, so many years after that um I couldn't eat those nacho chips because it he the story he told me it was very graphing and very awful, and I just it made me sick to my stomach. I can eat them now. Well, I don't eat them. I don't, I don't know if they make them now or not. I'm not sure, but anyway. Another, another, another time. Uh, chapter 10, Tuesday afternoon. The rest of the school day was pretty nondescript. The big news going around school had nothing to do with warring students, harmless puppy love crushes, or rival t- tetherball opponents. I'm telling you, tetherball was a big deal in my school when I was, going in, uh, in, when I was in, at Mariposa. Then current world boxing champion Joe Frazier had just handed Muhammad Ali his very first professional defeat in a grueling 15-rounder at Madison Square Garden, New York, the night before. And that was all anybody was talking about. I might have written that weird. I said, then current world boxing champion Joe Frazier had just handed—oh, I, I was insinuating that we had a new champion. Joe Frazier was the new boxing champion of the world. He had just handed Muhammad Ali his very first professional defeat in a grueling 15-rounder at Madison Square Gardens in New York the night before, and that was all anybody was talking about. Even the teachers were discussing his this is historic loss in class. It's true. Everybody was talking about this fucking match. Um, it was shocking. No one believed Ali could be beaten. At least no one did at my school. You would have thought that someone bombed America or we landed on the moon again. After school, I walked slowly slowly to Bobby's Fort by myself. I kept thinking about Bruce Bruce backing down to me and while I felt a certain cockiness in it, I also felt kind of bad. There had been rumors going around. School weeks before that, Bruce, whose family was super Christian, had been admon- admonished by his parents and told to put an end to his well-known violent bully tactics. Now, according to some, Bruce was trying to be more tolerant of others, Christ-like even. I told myself that he was just chicken. Uh, Chapter 11 I don't remember if I finished this story or not When I got to the tree fort In Bobby's parents' backyard I started to climb up the wooden planks But noticed a rope hanging down from the fort itself I pulled on it And heard the clang of a bell up there One of the boys, I'm forgetting who Peered out between some branches And yelled, who goes there? It's me, Kevin It's Marvelli, I answered Come on up, Marvelli when I got to the top and opened the Fort Hatch, I was surprised to find only Bobby, Timmy, and Bart inside. Bobby asked me if I wanted a soda. I said yes, and he handed me a lukewarm can of RC Cola. There's no way Bruce is afraid of you, Marvalli. You know it, and I know it, Bobby reasoned. He seemed frustrated. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I didn't say that. that was, that's my thought. We took a vote and decided that you'll have to do another challenge to get in the gang. Do you accept? What is it, I asked. Do you accept yes or no? I was entirely sure. I wasn't entirely sure I would make it back down the big big tree fort. I wasn't entirely sure I would make it back down the big tree without accidentally falling down it had I said no. But I seriously needed to evaluate just what kind am I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get tired. I seriously needed to evaluate just what the fuck that I was doing. Just what the fuck was I doing. I don't want to beat up other kids, but I want to be in the gang, was my stupid response. Bobby looked at Tim, Timmy, and Bart. All three of them looked amused and baffled. You do know that we beat up people for a living, don't you? Timmy said. He actually said that. You do know that we beat up people for a living. I'm going to take a swig of Pepsi because I don't have any water nearby. Pardon me. Pardon me. I'm going to mute so you don't hear me. And I spilled. Um, he actually did say that. And, and now that I think about it, that was pretty fucking hilarious. Although, who knows? Maybe they were paid. Maybe they were shaking kids down and they actually did make a living. I don't know. Uh, I know. I just, I just don't want to get into trouble. My parents will kill me if they ever find out. Bobby looked disappointed. Go stand over there. We need to talk privately, he instructed. That was it. I was pretty sure my membership into the BSG was null and void. I would leave the tree for just another boring civilian, independent and vulnerable to random attacks. It only took about two minutes for the three of them to discuss my fate, but it felt like an hour. Marvelli, we're going to let you join us, but you have to do what we tell you to do. You got it, Bobby said. I don't want to beat up any... You won't have to be an enforcer, but you'll have other duties in the gang. Do you accept? Yes, I accept. The three boys seemed pleased and relieved. Okay, good. We have to initiate you now. I couldn't imagine what that could possibly mean. I'd heard rumors that to be accepted into the Stutes gang, you had to do something, you had to do anything from being set on fire to having blood taken from you. To purposely getting arrested and even killing a person, I wasn't about to lay down any more. I wasn't about to lay down any more conditions. Okay, I'm ready. That, that by the way, kids did talk like that. Kids would. K- there were rumors that that Bobby Stoots had killed a kid. Um, th- there were always rumors that they killed animals. You know, they they killed a, a cat and you know that kind of stuff. But but the rumors would get around school, and it was so easy to, to spread gossip that you would just buy into it because if the kids were ballsy enough, if you want to call it that, to walk around with a chip on their shoulders and just stare at you and look at, like they wanted to kill you, everybody just had um, just had a, um, you know, the, the, it was created in your own mind that these kids were dangerous. Uh, there was a movie that came out years back, back in the 80s, called My Bodyguard. It was great, actually, and it was just about this little scrawny kid that... Um, he gets fucked with by some the school bully. The school bully was Matt Dillon, the actor. And uh and then a but there's this big kid, like really big, like taller than everybody else, bulky. He didn't even look like he didn't dress like a kid. He looked like he was like a a young, you know, uh young kid just out of the like a, a deserter of the army or something. Uh and he's like he's considered the the scary guy, the scary, the toughest kid, but nobody talks to him he doesn't talk to anybody and it's kind of generally assumed genuinely generally assumed that he is the, just not to be fucked with for whatever reason uh he, he kind of takes the side of this young scrawny kid against the brutality that that Matt Dillon and his cronies are, are inflicting upon him and I won't give it the rest because it's a really good movie you should see it my bodyguard um the 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 tough kid, the, the scary kid who takes the scrawny kid under his wing, is the actor that was in. Uh, oh shit! What was his name Adam Baldwin? Adam Baldwin, and he was he played animal mother in Full uh, 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 Metal Jacket. Uh, you talk the talk, do you walk the walk? That guy. I'm gonna rip you a new asshole. That was one of his other lines, I think. Anyway, um, so I said, okay, I'm ready. And I I wasn't ready. They had me walk over to a small table they had set up in the corner. Underneath it were tattered copies of Playboy and Penthouse magazines. On top of it was a candle, a pack of matches, and a sewing needle. It was Timmy's job to light the candle. Bart picked up the needle and told me to hold out my right hand. I did. He dribbled, he dribbled a few drops of hot candle wax in my palm and quickly told me not to flinch. I did a little. It hurt like hell. Now let the wax stay in your hand for ten seconds, Bobby ordered. I complied. When the wax is hard, crumble it up in your hand and let it drop to the table. I did. Timmy told me that. Okay, now give me your index finger. i got to get some blood. And I really, honestly, even if I think about getting pricked with a needle, I I get my blood feels like it's running cold. Um, Okay, now give me your index finger. I got to get some blood, Bart said. I pointed my finger towards him, and he pricked it with the needle. A drop of blood appeared, but Bart wasn't satisfied with the amount, so he squeezed it, and more blood came out. Once a good amount of blood was flowing, he he had me making a fist. He had me make a fist, making sure to get it on the get the blood good and smeared in the palm of my hand, my right hand. At this point, Bobby and Timmy had pricked their own fingers and made blood palms too. Bart followed suit once he was finished helping me with mine. Now when you open your hand, shake Bobby's hand, then mine, then Timmy's, and then repeat the the words I tell you, okay? Okay, I responded. I opened my hand and was surprised to see a healthy little smeared puddle of blood. I reached over to shake Bobby's extended hand. He made sure I shook it Soul Brother style. Right on. With this handshake, Bart began reciting, with this handshake, I repeated, I become a true member of the Bobby Stoots gang and solemnly swear, I become a true member of the, and we will never and, and will never turn my back on the brothers, especially when they need me or in, are in trouble, and we'll never blah, 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 blah. And I accept that I am in this gang for life, so help me God. And I accept my little. Then both Bobby and Timmy extended their right hands and I shook with them. Welcome to the Bobby Stoots gang, Bobby said warmly. You'll have full foot. You'll have full fort pro- privilege. <laughs> You'll have. Fu- I, this is bad. You'll have full fort. I didn't. <laughs> You'll have fort privileges, like everyone else, but you can only come here when I'm here. Yeah, and when you come in, you always salute us with this handshake. You do that outside and at school, too, Timmy explained. Any questions, Marvelli? Bobby asked. No, I don't think so, I replied. I was surprised that none of the gang members instructed me on how to address the rest of our f- fearless leader. Instructed me on how to re- address the rest of our fearless leader. Whenever he made his... And wait. I was surprised that none of the gang members instructed me on how to address our fearless leader. Whenever he made his... Ex- Exciting entrance. I think that's what I meant to say. But they didn't need to. I had seen them do it countless times. And quite honestly, besides the amount of respect the other students gave members of the gang, the coolest part of the gang's acti- activities was when Bobby approached the rest of the band members. <laughs> <laughs> approached the rest of the members. So how he would do it would be he'd come out and say, I'll just try to, uh, I'll try to just uh, give you an example. Um, he'd come over, he'd say, he'd look at the crowd, the group and he'd say, Bobby Stoots gang. And then the the rest of us would respond, Bobby Stoots gang. It was awesome. And I couldn't wait to do my first Bobby Stoots gang cheer on the playground. And it was really, I guess it was probably, they got it from, maybe it was like a military thing that they saw, um, i'm not really sure you know maybe it was like a was it a, maybe a cub scouts or i mean i was in the cub Scouts. i don't know it was weird I, I i would love to know where uh where is bobby stutes uh where's connie stutes um but it, it was it was funny to think about it now where they picked up on these little uh things that they did like the the initiation thing could have been like you know a weak version of a of a of a mob where you what you hear how you were indoctrinated in, into the mafia or whatever when you when you took the oath but i don't know that that would have been something you could have seen on tv uh or you know we didn't have wikipedia so you couldn't read about it or anything but um nonetheless it was pretty creative and it was pretty scary it was very intimidating that's for damn sure um all right chapter 12 we're almost done luckily wow we've been at this an hour Luckily the initiation didn't include a gang beatdown or anything extreme. Truth be told, I was a little disappointed that I wasn't made to do something crazy to prove my loyalty, but hey, this was 1971 and we were a bunch of grade school aged misfits. What could they have me do? Kill a cop? Um, I mean, maybe now that's what kids would do, but I don't know. Uh, Afterwards I ran home because I was late again and I knew that my mom would be worried and pissed thankfully she was busy with making dinner and didn't notice me as i walked the door i went straight to my room and lay down on my bed i felt a mixture of exhaustion elation and embarrassment and i allowed myself to drift in thought and try and visualize what this all meant for me from this day forward and that's kind of where i ended it um my uh my experience with the with the bobby stoots gang was was pretty short-lived I really wasn't involved much. Uh, before long, they didn't make it. They just weren't bothering me to be a part of anything. They, I, I would, I would, I, I do recall being a part of a little sort of jumping a kid uh, in the back of the school. Uh, we had a little track that ran, you know, sort of around. Just, just uh, there was a, a far. There was a little um, baseball uh, diamond at the very back corner. It was kind of scrappy they they rarely they, they oftentimes would not mow the lawn so it was always just kind of there was trash and they didn't pick it up very much but it, but it was always in the way far back and uh there was a track that ran around the whole school and for whatever reason i guess they would just um if they if they were if the gang was lucky enough to corner uh one of their their rivals that they didn't like they would uh that's where it would go down a lot of the times And i remember being a part of that and there really wasn't any that i recall i think bobby was the one that did did any of the you know the pushing and and getting people in headlocks and you know they probably pushed kids down i i never recall i don't believe i ever was part of any sort of rat packing or or you know jumping on kid there were dog piles i do remember that i still even didn't do that but people would dog pile on people um but I just wasn't very active. I wasn't involved. And I think maybe they must have realized that I wasn't uh, much of a soldier. And uh, therefore, I just kind of quietly faded in blend into the uh, into the rest of shit. And then I I, I just did, I think it phased out. Um, Years back, the internet was happening. But years back, I looked up a Robert Stutes. Uh, he wouldn't remember me, of course, but I remember looking him up, and uh, I don't know what that would have been. And it might have been Facebook, not it wasn't Facebook, uh, MySpace, or something. Maybe, maybe I just looked on. Maybe I did a search and I found, and there was a photo of of somebody, you know, an old uh, guy, you know, my age, who kind of resembled what I remember Bobby looking like. And um, Bobby Stutes looked like. And this is going to be a really. This is probably going to be a pretty uh, weird. Uh, uh, what am I looking at I'm, I'm definitely getting tired Um, he looked like Rick Monday I don't know if you guys know who Rick Monday uh, is or was but Rick Monday he 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 played very briefly in, in the Oakland A's when I first got into the A's like the early the late 60's early 70's A's when they were like a, becoming a championship team and they had like you know sal bando and catfish hunter and campy campaneras and dave duncan and uh shoot dick green reggie jackson i could go on and on and on i love those teams but he was he was in in i you know I, if, if i had the time and if it wasn't already over an hour i would uh this i can't believe it's been over an hour i, I can't fret on this though because now i'm just going to make this longer but uh, Rick Monday was a player, and then he ended up being on. I want to say he was with the California Angels. Um, I think he became. He was a. He was a Dodgers. I don't remember, but I think later in years he became a, a, a sports announcer. And um, if 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 those of you out there uh, are just going, yeah, we all know who Rick Monday is, Kevin, then ignore this. Or or you can send me uh, something at petastrum uh, at gmail and and school me. Tell me exactly what he did because I'm not remembering I do know that when I so I collected baseball cards and I and I had a, a couple of Rick Monday baseball cards so you know what fuck it uh, I'm gonna run the risk of just really bumming people out I'm gonna look up Rick Monday and it already says American former uh, baseball player and it doesn't matter I, w- I was gonna say I would show you guys but it'll take way too long um rick monday so he was a center fielder from 66 to 84. uh he was notably as a member of uh chicago cubs and the dodgers was he not on the a's yes he played 19 he played in 66 to 71 uh in the kansas city slash oakland Athletics. so it was it was much earlier and that's probably one of the reasons that i didn't i don't know much about him because he was traded or he went to he went to i guess chicago was next the Cubs, and then uh, later on, he became a, a, a. Was he ever a a, a manager? I no, he was two time All Star. World. He was a World Series champion in eighty one, which I guess he would have been. What? Who was? Who was the? What team? Uh, eighty one. I so said that would have been the Dodgers. Okay, so I think that was. Uh, who? That that's the team he's mostly known for. And nonetheless, who cares? Uh, Rick, so anyway, uh, uh, Bobby Stutz looked a bit like what I remember uh, Rick Mundy looking like. And when I found a photo of him online, it, there was the similarities. Uh, so there it was. Um, uh, Bobby Stutz, if somehow down the road you f- hear about this, thank you for considering me being a part of your criminal organization. It was uh, an honor, and um, it uh, luckily didn't follow me throughout the rest of my life. And um, that's all I can say about that. I hope your your sister Connie's good, and that's about it. All right, folks, well, there you have it. You're now getting a pretty good feel for what this fucking podcast is about, and uh, you probably can make up your mind now whether this is something you want to continue following or not. Um, Thank you very much for listening, watching, and please, uh, if you like it, please uh, hit the Like button somewhere. Also, please follow or uh, subscribe, whatever you do. I forget what it is here on YouTube. Um, I'm going to d- make a quick announcement. I think what I'm going to do, because I've already got the a, an established uh, YouTube page, and this is what I should have just done in the first place. And because I'd like to, I wouldn't mind getting more and more people to come to visit my YouTube page. Uh, I would like to ask you as a as a personal favor, if you have not followed me, um, my Regular Kevin seconds um, page. Let me just double check to make sure I've got the uh, is that uh, official? I believe it's YouTube. Yeah, so go to uh, Kevin seconds official on YouTube here on YouTube. And uh, follow me, please. Or um, like me, subscribe, whatever the hell that is you do here. I should know that. I'm on YouTube every day. And uh, the reason I ask you to do that is because I do occasionally post something new, musical stuff. But um, primarily, I would like to... I think I may move all of the podcast stuff over here, uh, over on that, the uh, at Kevin Second's official YouTube page. And uh, that way, there's already... I've already got like you know uh seventeen hundred that's still not a lot of that's not that's not a lot of people i think i have a thousand seven one point seven seven k subscribers that's really nothing um but it's more than like sixty eight or seventy eight or whatever it is right now and 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 it's it's almost like wow do i really wanna rebuild a whole new channel when i got this channel and it's sort of established and i can just i can it's also um um it's, I can do live streaming from it, which would be on it. I can't do live streaming on this, on the uh, current. Just, see, I'm confusing everybody, and i got to stop doing that. Uh, anyway, please, just subscribe to the uh, at Kevin Second's official YouTube page, and I, I think in the very near future, everything will start to be uh, premiere on that channel. So that you you you'll see and hear the podcast there as opposed to this one, and I'll just phase this one out because there's no point in having extra channels. So please run out and do that right now as uh, as as while I'm still here. All right, folks, be well. I love you all. I appreciate your support. If any of this is unfun, um, I you know hey man, you you it's free right? So, um, but uh, and, and again you know people ask me uh, to uh, you know to to post the um what did they ask me to do they asked me to post the um the information um right here this is the if you feel like donating you can always donate just you know you you know honestly it a buck or 20 cents or nothing it doesn't really matter uh some of you have been very very generous and i appreciate that so all right we'll talk soon guys um more news coming um coming all right take care bye